descendants of some of Britain's wealthiest families who profited and supported transatlantic slavery have this week formed a new group that seeks to apologise for the past and to provide some form of financial reparations to the Caribbean. It's called the Heirs of Slavery. And its members are wrestling with the links between the past and the present, acknowledging that the historic exploitation of people on Caribbean plantations can't necessarily be divorced from the current descendants of British slave owners of the past. Now, we need to remember that unlike American slavery, which was enacted in the cotton fields of the South and intimately connected with surrounding white lives, British slavery took place a world away in the sugar plantations of the Caribbean. Laura Trevelyan is a member of Heirs of Slavery. She comes from a very prominent aristocratic family. She was also a long-standing BBC correspondent in the US and this year she formally apologised to the people of Grenada where she discovered her family had previously owned plantations operated by slaves. Her family's also set up an education fund for the area. Laura, welcome to Saturday Extra. Thanks so much, Geraldine. Great to be with you. Now, this was a bit of a surprise, I understand, when you found out your family did have connections to slavery. Absolutely. As you were saying, uh, Geraldine, slavery in Britain was offshore. It was in the Caribbean, thousands of miles from Britain, from one island to another across the Atlantic Ocean. And I knew that my family in the 19th century, you know, was prominent in colonialism and in empire because I worked in Northern Ireland 25 years ago during the Good Friday Agreement. And I was often rubbing up against uh, an ancestor who had a prominent role in Irish famine relief and was really reviled in the Republic of Ireland for having, he was seen as someone who had prolonged the Irish famine through his actions. So I was very familiar with that bit of the history, but the fact that there was slavery in the family, I had literally no idea about until University College London published a database of legacies of British slavery. And and in about 2016, someone in the family, you know, really put our name into that database. And it came up with the fact that in 1834, after slavery was abolished in Britain, the Trevelyans were given compensation, millions of pounds actually, uh, because we had owned enslaved Africans on uh, at least five plantations, sugarcane plantations in Grenada. And this was really a huge shock to my generation and the generation above. Um, now, just to be clear, did you bring, did your family help bring the slaves from, say, Nigeria and places like that? Or was it just that you had the, the plantations? Well, the Trevelyans were absentee plantation owners. But through marriage, they were connected to a Mr. Hankey who had a slave ship named for him, the Hankey, that brought the enslaved from West Africa to the Caribbean. So while, uh, you know, they, the Trevelyans themselves were in Britain, they were associated through marriage through Louisa Simon, who, who married the fourth baronet, Sir John Trevelyan. And Louisa's adopted brother was Thomas Hankey, who, who was the agent, the slave ship. Right. and all the rest of it. And when I went to Grenada, I met, I found that Hanky was a common name on the island because uh, the enslaved were often named for the person that owned them. And I met a Mr. Hanky who ran a computer shop in Grenada's capital, St. George's. And <laughs> I talked to him about the fact that maybe my ancestors could have owned his. And he said, you know, that's very deep, Laura. So you really were quite, I can hear it, you're quite shocked about it and you decided you couldn't stand still about it. 
Yeah, that's right. So the BBC let me go to Grenada and make a documentary called um, Confronting the Past. And Nicole Philip Dow, who's the... Uh, the Caribbean islands have been thinking about reparations and reparatory justice for a while now, and, and they all have a reparations committee. So I reached out to Nicole Philip Dow, who's a historian on Grenada, and I emailed her and said, oh, I'm thinking about coming to do this documentary. And, you, you know, you may know that this name is... Trevelyan's associated with slave ownership uh, and Nicole and I wasn't sure how it would be received I press send you know on an email how, how you do and then Nicole wrote straight back and said I've got a big smile on my face it's Laura Trevelyan of BBC News where have you been oh. <laughs> so, come on down so that was great let's go and back to that that compensation paid to your family which I mm. think a lot of listeners will be quite surprised about when I know indeed Mr Hankey was surprised when I explained he said oh that's good the enslaved got compensation and I said no 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 the Trevelyans got compensation for the loss of what was called their property because that was the only way it could get through Britain's parliament back in 1833 and the slaves received nothing well, not only nothing, but for another at least four years, they were required to work for free as apprentices. This was the, another way that the slave owners were, because by the way, a number of them were in parliament. So the only way that turkeys would vote for Christmas was um, if they were going to have Christmas presents. So compensation, apprenticeship, uh, you know, free labour really uh, just appalling and actually very hard to get your head around. Well, of course, that was all brought home terribly well in that film Amazing Grace that people might like to seek out, made by Michael Apted in 2009, about mm. the amazing um, victory of William Wilberforce and others. And I might add, if they had gone at it straight on, they kept losing. So they had to do very clever um, tangential things in order to get it through, one of which was this amazing, amazing, amount of money that the, mm. the government gave to slave owners. It's the modern equivalent um, of between 16 and 17 billion pounds. Yes. I mean, there, there's a sort of argument about how you measure it, but for sure, the 46,000 slave owners too, by the way. Well, actually about two to 3,000 families. A lot of people made multiple claims, oh, including, my, including my own ancestors. But no, the point is that the amount of money that the British government took out as a loan in 1833 to pay for compensation, that amount of money was only paid off in 2015. Is that <laughs> true? That, that is just yeah, beyond belief. <laughs> yeah, the British Treasury tweeted about it actually in 2015. But, you know, we finally paid this off, which is what drew attention to it. My goodness. So... Mm, pretty staggering. It certainly is. Um so you go to Grenada to apologise. What form did that take? What was it like sitting there waiting for your moment to apologise on behalf of your family? Well, it was quite hairy, um, Geraldine, honestly. I'd been to Grenada the year before with Nicole Philip, Philip Down. We'd gone around the island and we'd seen the estates that my ancestors had part owned and Nicole had showed me the instruments of torture the neck braces, the whips and the manacles that were used on the enslaved. And we'd looked at the slave registers and we'd seen that more people died than were born on the estates that the Trevelyans had owned. And it was really sobering and appalling. And we also learnt that the legacy of enslavement today is obesity, hypertension and diabetes. Because so? so many Because so many people just ate sugar. That was the diet of the enslaved. So through something called epigenetics, you have 
these high levels of diabetes and hypertension that are passed down. And, and also Grenada's national dish, Nicole showed me then, is something called oil down, which was a one-pot dish made by the enslaved, which is made of salted fish, pig's feet, and coconut milk. So very high in salt and sugar and sodium, all things which contribute to this legacy of high blood pressure, hypertension, and diabetes. So I learned all of this. And then a year later, I was back there, as, as you were just asking, with you know, family members came from Britain, my dad and my uncle, you know, people in their late 70s and 80s and some cousins my generation. And, you know, we were there in Grenada's uh, trade center in the capital, St. George's, which is one of the most picturesque capitals in the Caribbean. It's really very beautiful. And there was a Rastafarian tribe drumming outside in protest. There are three Rastafarian tribes. And the Rastafari play a very important role in reparations in the Caribbean because they... In Jamaica, they ran away, they lived in the hills, they were the maroons, they were the resistance to the slave owners, and they're very influential. And one of the three Rastafarian tribes in Grenada was very opposed to what our family was doing and felt that the, the money wasn't enough, that it wasn't a meaningful gesture, that an apology, it wasn't the right time. And so, yeah, we were in the trade center listening to this drumming and, and just thinking, oh my gosh, you know, what's going to happen? What did you offer by way of reparation? Um, well, so we, an apology was the first mm -hmm. thing that we were convinced by Nicole Philip Down, uh, Sir Hilary Beckles of CARICOM's Reparations Commission, who wrote a very influential book called Britain's Black Debt. But an apology is really important just to stand up and be counted and to say it was us, it was our ancestors that owned yours and that that's part of putting the jigsaw together. The people in the Caribbean, many don't you can't know your history if your ancestors were kidnapped and you were dumped in the Caribbean. So the descendants of slave owners are, are, part, are a crucial part of that history. Is, is, so that was one thing that we were doing by going there that we were persuaded would be good to do. And then we were giving money to education schemes in Grenada at 100,000, was more like probably 110,000 pounds now towards bursaries for students at the University of the West Indies on the Grenada Open Campus and also to uh, rural school children to cover the cost of getting to school and school supplies. What is literacy like there? Well, one of the legacies of after abolition was, was poverty and illiteracy. And obviously that isn't the case now, but the Caribbean health and education systems have really had to work incredibly hard to try to catch up. And that's why the CARICOM, which is the Caribbean Intergovernmental Organization, basically for mostly the British Caribbean, although not exclusively, is asking for debt forgiveness uh, and investment in health and education from the former colonial powers. They're not actually asking for families like ours to do anything, but we felt that we could use the CARICOM plan as a, as a roadmap and we were encouraged to do so. Uh, so that's why education was, was the, what we chose. And they're heavily indebted countries, I take it. That's what the debt forgiveness is all about. Well, yeah, and just remember at the moment that interest rates are going up. Mm. So all of the old, old debt, which was on the very low interest rates, that's expiring and now being replaced by debt with these much higher interest rates, which is really a disaster for a small island. Now, you had deep conversations in Grenada with people whose great-grandparents were slaves. I wonder how they reacted to, say, your offers and what they generally, how they dealt with you. I mean, people really had a range of reactions, I would say. I mean, those who had been thinking about it for a lot and a long time, like Nicole Philip Dow, for example, the chair of the Reparations Committee, you know, people who are 
activists in this area were thrilled by the fact that we'd gone there and done this. But for people more who haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it, I think it was quite shocking to be confronted by the face of slave ownership. And certainly I had people say to me, well, this isn't very much money. I mean, what is this doing for me? And what, is this, what does any of this do for me, this apology? How does this in any way make up for what your ancestors did? I mean, aren't you just making yourself feel better? To which there's not really a reply apart from that, well, you know, we, were, we, we hope that this does do something. But then equally, there were, I would say there were far more people who said, gosh, you know, this is very profound and, and thank you. And I, one woman said to me, I feel like a burden that I've been carrying that I didn't even know I was carrying has been lifted by your apology, which I really mm. took away with me. I think it's just really, it takes, as the Americans would say, it's a lot to process. Yes. I think it was, uh, but Grenada's prime minister who was there, who's very young, Dickon Mitchell, he's in his 40, early 40s. And he said, he was very welcoming. And he said, thanks to the British, I'm a Christian and I believe in redemption and I, I forgive you. And I think this is a turning point in the reparatory justice movement. And Grenada's been independent for nearly 50 years. When we've been independent for 100 years, I hope we'll look back and say this was a turning point. Let me just tell listeners that Laura Trevelyan is my guest um, and uh, she's a member of this group, Heirs of Slavery, trying to really, I suppose, redeem the name, their, some of their famous names, as a, uh, given their history. Look, this new group, Heirs of Slavery, I don't know whether the, the Guardian, I mentioned earlier in the program that mm. the, the Guardian, of course, is also doing this, The Man used to be the Manchester Guardian, looking at what role slavery plays in its um, trust, for instance. Now, so how did this group come about? Who else is in it? Well, so Alex Renton, whose father was a Conservative cabinet minister um, in Britain, uh, Alex wrote a book called Blood Legacy a couple of years ago about his ancestors' slave-owning past in Jamaica. And Jamaica is even more fraught, if that's possible, than Grenada because in the 1860s, after emancipation, there was a, an uprising by the, the formerly enslaved and, and their descendants, which was brutally put down by the British and is yet a further stain on the reputation of, of the British in Jamaica and a further horrible episode on, on top of enslavement. And Alex, I was in touch with him through a mutual friend who said, oh, Laura, you're doing this documentary. You should meet Alex. And Alex said, oh, Laura, you know, I've really wanted to form this group, Heirs of Slavery. And I said, well, we should do it. <laughs> you know, we should, because the, uh, the purpose of it being to encourage other people with this history to acknowledge uh, it and to, to, for Britain to learn what its past is. Now, am I correct? He's a second cousin of King Charles? That's not Alex Renton. That's actually da that's David Lassells, who's the Earl of oh, Harwood. Right. He's someone else in the group. And yes, he's a cousin of the king. And we also have Charlie Gladstone. And he is a direct descendant of the 19th century British of liberal William Gladstone. Prime Minister William Gladstone. Goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Charlie's um, also and of course, the, the king has said that he is deeply grieved by uh, finding out aspects of, I think, of this history. I mean, I, I think he mm. set up a committee to look at it. Um, well, right? he's actually, the royal family supporting research that's being, academic research that's being done into the royal family's links to slavery via the Historic Palaces Association and the University of Manchester. So since October, 
Uh, this research has been ongoing and by 2026 it will reveal the full extent of the royal family's links to slavery. But by the way, in the 17th century, the Royal African Company was the vehicle by which the enslaved were shipped from West Africa mm. to the Caribbean. It was happening in the name of the Duke of York, who became King James II, and the enslaved were branded with DY for the Duke of York. Gee. Um, now, the UK government has somewhat dusted their hands of accountability, and because it is a bit tricky. Like Rishi Sunak said, I mean, after all, he comes from, uh, you know, uh, with, with real history. Indeed he in is. Quotes, trying to unpick our history is not the right way forward. And one British MP that's, who's supported your apology is the Labour MP, Clive Lewis, and you've both been pushing mm. for Rishi Sunak to acknowledge slavery links. And there are interesting people sort of saying, look, you know, yes, own it, but in terms of trying to exactly work out certain amounts of money that might um, need to be uh, paid, it, this is full of potholes. Now, I wonder if you've had cause to think about this. I mean, for sure, it's full of it is full of potholes. But the Caribbean nations have a very clear ten point plan for reparations, which is their ask of the former colonial powers, based on the fact that it was a system of wealth extraction. The Caribbean was left with nothing, literally nothing, and the enslaved with nothing. All the wealth went to Britain. And in 1926, Lloyd George, the former Prime Minister of Britain, described the West Indies as the slums of the empire. And when Britain, after World War II, needed a workforce, the Caribbean, the slums of the empire, where people had no opportunity, it was those people that came to Britain on the Windrush ship mm. because Britain had jobs. So there was a, then a, you know, a double negative result for people from the Caribbean coming to Britain. Yes, they found work, but they were also greeted in many occasions uh, or many instances with racism. But those are the people that you know, worked in Britain's National Health Service, on Britain's railways, Britain's night porters, the people that were really the backbone uh, of, of Britain. So it, it is a very problematic legacy. And, you know, the CARICOM nations are very clear. They're saying we would like debt forgiveness, investment in health and education as reparations for enslavement. I mean, to me, it's reasonably straightforward. You think of the amount of money that's being spent on the Ukraine war, the sums are not the same at all. And China is busy with its Belt and Road Initiative across the Caribbean, investing in infrastructure. These countries are democracies. Uh, you know, the former colonial powers should be the influential ones, not China. China's not a democracy. Its, it's terms for these things are likely going to be very bad, as I know myself from seeing in Africa what's happened with Chinese investments. So I think it's reasonably straightforward and would hopefully go some way towards healing in Britain too. Well, Laura Trevelyan, there's lots more to come for you on this, I can tell. Thank you very much indeed for explaining it all to us. Thanks so much, Geraldine. Nice to talk. Laura Trevelyan, one of the co-founders of Heirs of Slavery, and the BBC documentary she made is called Grenada, Confronting the Past. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.